Let's start reshaping Europe. It's time. A podcast series of dialogue perspectives discussing religions and worldviews. A program of the Leo Beck Foundation, supported by the Federal Foreign Office. The COVID-19 pandemic has deepened the already virulent crisis for European democracies and the livelihoods of all people worldwide. The virus has struck a European society that was already ill from the increasing drifting apart of communities and the abandonment of values based on mutual respect and solidarity. Dialogue Perspectives has, over the last few years, developed into an important European site of debate at the confluence of religions, worldviews, and societal questions and to a site of productive disruption. Our participants reflect the radical diversity of European societies. They make use of their resources drawn from their multifaceted backgrounds. Their work and engagement showcase the multiplicity of voices, perspectives, and expertise located all over Europe. These skills are a crucial resource in order to bring about change to our European societies. Our new podcast series at Dialogue Perspectives showcases the manifold approaches of our participants towards Europe's most pressing issues. Their contributions are a testament to the huge potential inherent in European society, as well as to the potential of our interfaith and worldview dialogue and the struggle for a shared idea and a common vision for a post-COVID Europe that is based on pluralistic coalitions, solidarity, and care. Enjoy the episodes and please do get in touch if you have feedback via our website www.dialogueperspectives.org. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Dialogue Perspectives podcast. My name is Gil Schochat. I am a program manager at Dialogue Perspectives. And today, we are glad to air the next episode from our series, Reshaping Europe. In this series, our participants take center stage by sharing their personal approaches towards their various fields of engagement with the wider public. For example, by showcasing their current activist projects, discussing their research topics, offering a glimpse into their networks, or simply reflecting on the current state of affairs in their countries of residence. Our series is committed to the discussion and representation of a wide range of opinions on and approaches to the current state of affairs in European societies. The variety of stances and insights reflect the diversity of our participants and their individual backgrounds, as well as their attitudes to questions of religion, worldviews, pressing political issues, or questions of public policy. Thus, it goes without saying that the viewpoints presented in the podcast do not necessarily reflect those of dialogue perspectives. They shall, moreover, serve as a point of departure, as food for thought for the discussion of pressing issues of our time. In this episode, our participant Irem Turekci outlines the conflicts surrounding Turkey's withdrawal from the Istanbul Convention on the comprehensive protection of women against all forms of violence in the country. Irem deconstructs the narrative of a Western agreement imposed on Turkey by Europe and sheds light on the long struggle of feminist organizations in the country since the founding of the Republic in 1923. The piece is part of the series This Is Us, Insights from Our Participants, that has been published on our blog since November 2020. 
Irem Chudekci is a graduate student at the Lund University Media and Communication Studies Master's Program. She holds a bachelor's degree in development studies with a major in human geography, also from Lund University. What's more, Irem has a communication and international relations studies background from Turkey. She was born in Ankara, the Turkish capital, and raised in many different Turkish cities. She moved to Sweden in 2016 and currently lives in Malmö. Listen, enjoy, and reflect. We don't want to die. Reflections on the Turkish withdrawal from the Istanbul Convention. I'm originally from Turkey, but I have been living in Sweden for some years. Except for my older sister, my whole family still lives in Turkey, along with my younger sisters who are 19 and 21. Due to COVID, they moved back in with my parents who live in a small town by the Black Sea from Istanbul where they study. Now, they're all back together in a place that has been known for being small, very beautiful and very secure. Their home is in walking distance of the seaside and the very beautiful forest. A few weeks ago, I was on the phone with them. They complained to me about how stressed they were because of having to stay home, lacking any activity to do. My advice was very simple. You live very close to the nature, why you're not taking walks to the forest every day? Living close to the nature is a luxury during the pandemic. And their response made me ashamed of myself because they reminded me of how it was like being a woman in Turkey. They said, are you even asking this question seriously? How could we go to the forest knowing that we can get raped or harassed by a random man hanging out there? We are terrified of going to desolate places. We can't even walk in the city center without thinking about what is going to happen in a second. Istanbul or here. No matter where you go, it's equally insecure for women. Unfortunately, even our supposedly cute and secure city of origin is not providing that fundamental security for women anymore. It seems as if only men can hang out freely while feeling that any woman who passes by deserves to hear at least a disturbing word from them, in the forest or anywhere else. It appears that Turkish cities are even more dangerous for women than ever before. This conversation triggered memories of harassment that I experienced in interaction with people almost every day when I lived in Turkey. I remembered how I wanted to forget all those experiences, just longing for a feeling of safety as a woman. I eventually did find some safety in Sweden, where I currently live. Needless to say, I'm not implying that everything is perfect here. Nevertheless, I can rest assured that Swedish law would protect me in case of any kind of harassment which is the most basic right to have, obviously. It broke my heart to think about my relative safety while my sisters cannot even take a walk freely without feeling anxiety and stress. Patriarchy and the Turkish Republic One may innocently ask, what are my sisters are so afraid of? Well, they are afraid that all the things that happened to innocent women in Turkey in recent years can also happen to them. They live with the thought that they might even get killed, raped or harassed and that the Turkish judiciary would not stand for their rights. This might sound as I'm exaggerating and I wish I was, but I'm not. I'm not even able to describe the whole picture here. So let's try with some statistics. According to the data from Kadın Cinayetlerine Durduracağız platformu, is the translation, we will stop femicide platform. 
Over 1,700 women have been murdered by men in Turkey since 2017. Besides this horrendous number of femicides, there have been countless rape and harassment cases which many victims did not even report because of the embarrassment that would further entail. This embarrassment is due to widespread social pressure, mainly from their own families, or insecurity regarding the laws and the and the dismissive attitude of the mostly male officials when bringing forward their cases. Has this horrific state of affairs always been the case in Turkey? Unfortunately, yes. Turkey is one of the world's many countries where a patriarchal mindset is still very prevalent in society. The status and roles of men and women are mostly predetermined and have been passed on centuries. However, since the declaration of the Turkish Republic in 1923 and then the subsequent rise of feminist movements, Turkish women also began to raise their voices and fight for their rights in a more visible way. This process of self-determination has been very painful and very long. In 2011, the decades of efforts and hardships seemed to have come to a fruitful end. It was in that year that Istanbul hosted the Council of Europe Convention on Preventing and Combating Violence Against Women and Domestic Violence, better known under the name Istanbul Convention. The convention took place in May 2011 and was organized by the Council of Europe. Turkey, as the host, was the first country that signed and ratified it. Since then, the Istanbul Convention has been signed by 46 states. Its central aim is to prevent violence against women and domestic violence in all its forms. In order to achieve this, the convention focuses on two main objectives, the struggle against patriarchal structures and the protection of the victim, mainly by sentencing the harasser or the killer. These objectives shall furthermore be reflected through holistic policies regarding the issue by each signatory state. However, the Turkish state under President Erdogan's rule withdrew its ratification of the Istanbul Convention a decade later in March 2021. The official reason for Turkey's withdrawal was that the state could not accept the convention that is coming from Europe, as it was bound to alter and undermine the Turkish family structure. This reversal and attitude towards the convention was furthermore based on the fact that the term gender in the convention text was referred to as socially constructed and also on its emphasis on the term gender equality. Erdogan and many other politicians from the ruling AKP government raised their concerns about these terms and definitions for some time, despite having signed it in the first place. They also pointed out that this convention would bring along legal rights for homosexuals. In their region of Turkey, the country could not allow this to be the case. In one of his speeches on that matter, Erdogan proclaimed that instead of having this very European convention, Turkey will protect women and the sacred Turkish family with Turkish traditions and customs. Again, according to the data from Kadıncınayt and Durduracağız platformu, 275 of the 300 femicides committed in 2020 were committed by the spouse, partner, family member or ex-spouse partner of the murdered woman. Hence, it is thus precisely in the sacred family structure that the overwhelmingly majority of femicides happen. The date thus serves as a bittersweet irony that painfully summarizes the sacred family structure Erdogan refers to. So, 
Is this agreement really European and thus alien to Turkish values as advocated by Erdogan? Why then did he personally sign the agreement in 2011 and even host the convention? A closer look at its genesis shows us that, in fact, Turkey was involved in this convention from the outset. The bulk of the data that the convention relied on came mostly from Turkey-based women's organizations, their decades-long field studies, and their experiences. Then they collaborated in order to make their voice heard and finally succeeded in their efforts, not only for Turkish women, but for women in many, many countries. This alone shows us that the Convention is not actually a European export to Turkey, but rather a reciprocal process that heavily leaned on the fundamental struggles of Turkish women, their experiences and their data. Organizing protests in solidarity with the women's movements. After Turkey's withdrawal from the Convention, many women's organizations all over the country organized massive inspiring and very brave protests and also numerous campaigns on social media. Under the hashtags of İstanbul Sözleşmesi Yaşatır or İstanbul Convention Saves Lives, hundreds of thousands of people expressed their support for Turkish women. Still, all this effort was unfortunately not sufficient to change the decision of the Turkish state. Despite this terrible blow, the women's movement in Turkey will continue their fight against oppression and patriarchy. However, nothing will bring the women who died because of the brutality and negligence of the state, or heal the trauma of women who were raped, abused, or women living with a constant fear. Every time a woman gets murdered by a man in Turkey, activists and supporters of the women's movement post their black and white pictures as a way of expressing their grief. We don't want to see any more black and white pictures of them. We want their colorful pictures posted when they're happy, they're alive and they're safe. The most painful thing is that in a society where murders and harassers are walking freely, millions of sisters of mine will remain scared to go out of their own homes. Scared that one day, perhaps, their black and white picture will be posted by people on social media. That is why women require full protection by Turkish law, and that is why we say Istanbul Convention saves lives. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Dialogue Perspectives podcast series, Reshaping Europe. This was a contribution by our participant Irem Çörekci on the consequences of the Turkish government's withdrawal from the Istanbul Convention. Until our next episode airs, you are very welcome to check out our manifold outlets to keep yourself posted on our activities. Visit our homepage www.dialogperspectives.org. There, you can also read Irem's piece, as well as further contributions by our participants from this program year, on our blog. Also, do make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. My name is Pete Schochat. Stay tuned.